Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast. Share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Dear Genius Leaders, welcome to another episode of our podcast. Today, I'll be starting another guest series of the interview of the episodes with interviews. And I'll start with one of my team members, Anna Listonova. And uh, first, I'll explain what the theme will be about. And then we'll go into what Anna does and why she's the first guest in the series. So as we all very well know, now the war in Ukraine is still ongoing. And even if it's less highlighted in media, in international media, um, it's still happening. The, uh, the military actions are ongoing and the air raids are, are there. The sirens are sounding every day somewhere in Ukraine, if not all over the country. And the thing is that life is going, is ongoing. And Ukrainians are doing their best to continue living, continue building the country while it's someone else is trying to destroy it. And I want to highlight the stories of people, of businesses who are doing that, just that, continuing to live, continue to exist which makes every day a victory for us and the loss or defeat, let's say, for the Russian uh, Federation who really don't want Ukraine to exist. So this series is there to highlight how that is happening on an everyday level, how people are managing their lives, the personal part of that, how people are managing work, how people are managing to keep businesses going. I will be inviting I have already invited and I will, uh, you will hear the conversations with business owners, both experts living in Ukraine and who stayed in Ukraine right now, and Ukrainians who continue uh, providing workplaces for, for people who continue paying salaries and who even hire a new employees for their companies in the midst of the war. So this series is there and it's not only about Ukraine and you. it will not only give you value if you're interested about what's going on, but here you'll hear a lot of lessons about self-leadership, about leadership, about resilience, what so much we're talking about in the business world. You will hear a lot of those lessons that hopefully you'll never need in at this scale at the scale of this crisis every person is going through. And I'm not saying crisis as the the general term, uh, the, the right term is the war and the full-scale invasion, but I mean the personal crisis of everyone going through the war. So hopefully you'll never need lessons to be applied in that situation, but you can apply it in your life in general in peaceful times. And hopefully that's how you can take those lessons and uh, and use them in your life and in your work. So Anna is one of my team members, as I said, she's been with us for around half a year now, I feel. And uh, she is the copywriter. She is the one who actually makes it happen so that you can hear the episodes every Wednesday. So she takes the edited episodes 
and puts them on our hosting. She creates the show notes. She creates the posts on LinkedIn to promote the episodes and helps with a number of other things in the backend of the business. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Anna, for inviting me. I'm really grateful for this opportunity to share my thoughts on war and on work and on everything that is going on for the last three months. So thank you. I wanted to invite you because we have been going through this on a daily level since the first day of the invasion. We we are in communication almost daily, both in private uh, channels and through work. And um, I thought it would be very valuable to show a, a life of a person who who does the work. You are one of those examples, the fascinating and very empowering examples for me of people who just showed up and was very open about the struggles and challenges and you're not you couldn't deliver every day uh as expected or as agreed and the i just wanted to go through that that experience with you because we are, we are sharing it uh, and we we have been doing it for this audience the, the audience listening to the genius leadership podcast but also i thought it would be very valuable because we do have a bit of a different opinions on some things or not really opinions but perspectives on things and i think it would be very interesting to provide that conversation and and show that it's okay to disagree maybe on some levels <laughs> and it, uh, it, as long as we are respectful to towards each other and each other's opinions and we discuss both of you that we're scared of going into those in, into those discussions but we decided to go yeah helpful on many levels yeah i think it's very important to voice those differences and and see that those conversations can happen and they need to happen for us to stay together um, as a nation, as the humanity. So before we go into that, those differing <laughs> um, topics, let's start with you before the 24th of February. Who was Anna then? What were her dreams, plans for life? Yeah, the very painful moment for me is exactly this date, the 24th of February, just because uh, this day and 25th of February should have been my last day at work in the office where I worked as an editor and with one of Ukrainian companies uh, for, for multiple sites with different products. And I've been working there for three years, and that was a very important period of time for me just because finally I was feeling confident and I got the work and the colleagues that respected what I'd done, what I did. And that was something of very high value for me. And also I had a little bit of freelance since those three years, but I never thought that I could go full freelance as a, as a usual part of work, you know? So that uh, I thought about it, and that's why I was planning to shift to full-time freelance. So 25th of February should have been my last day, and then I planned, you know, to finally go and work less hours a week and have more time for what I want, for what I want to more spend time on, for things that I really love and for things that I would want to live. So that's why... Um, when everything started, it was more painful for me because I was exactly on the edge of changing my life in a very important way for me. Yeah. So 
we, we had a discussion in the beginning of the year uh, in the team. I, I try to do those alignment sessions or planning sessions where I want to hear every team member about your goals, your priorities for the year and how I can support you, how we can build your uh, tasks within the company to help with that, but also how I as a mind shift and a coach can help e- each of you to reach your goals, to keep developing in the ways you want. And you were talking about that. I want to go full-time freelance and it was early here, uh, 2022. And then mid-February, the things started escalating for you on the personal and work level. And suddenly it was much closer. The full-time freelance was much closer than you originally thought. Yeah. And then it happened differently, right? Yes. So it happened, but not the way that I expected it. You know, it wasn't the part of the plan, say, if I can say like this. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's to say that we never know how things manifest for good and for yeah, bad and the thing is that i wasn't planning it like you know for a few months so the work was i begin to shift these things like two years maybe two years ago when i was planning to do it and you know I, you need to have a financial support for the time when you will be searching for clients you need to have new laptop because my laptop um my old one he it definitely definitely need, needed a replace so my new one, I got maybe like two or three weeks before invasion. So that was kind of crazy because I was so prepared, you know, to start a new life. And it's just heavy to think that I put so many things during last years into these changes. And it just, and I understand clearly that my pain is nothing in com- comparison of pain people are having by losing their homes, their lives, their relatives. But yeah, this is my subjective story. This is what I feel was hurting me the most because I was on a way to build a new life finally. And this is a very important reminder, I think, and I think thanks for sharing that so openly that quite often we can, when we talk about our pains, we start discounting them for ourselves or for the others saying like, but what is this in comparison to the, to what other people are going through? And there is a twofold part there. <laughs> and one of them is you should never discount your own experiences because someone else has stronger or bigger experiences than you. I'm always talking about that, that just because someone else has gone through worse things doesn't mean that your things are not bad enough for you. It's something in in some way in which we're making a huge disservice to ourselves, that we actually don't let ourselves work through things that has affected us, have affected us and have shaped us in some way of the second part of that is that when you get stuck in a self-pity with poor me, look at me, then it's good to remind yourself that yeah. <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> the people are yeah. going through the worst. And those are the good, like they, they are opposites in a way, but that's, that's how it all is about personal development and self-leadership. Whichever method you take, it's not one-sided and There are opposites and we can use the same thing in opposite ways. And this is a very good example of that. When you don't let yourself feel bad to process, so for the sake of actually getting out, because I was saying that the only way out is through through the pain. And if we don't let ourselves go through that, we'll never get out. But at the same time, it's important to know. That's the balance, you know, what we're all are trying to find, like not to be very much self-pity, feeling the how you were, oh, poor baby, blah, blah, blah. But also, you know, to understand that, yes, your pain is good enough for you. You don't need more right now. And this is enough for you to suffer on the level that you're suffering. 
And that's why also um, this is a difficult thing on many reasons, just because, you know, for me also last year were very important on confident, as I said before, and things like that. So it's very hard if you have some some problems with self-awareness and things like that. It's hard for you not to go to that dark state of pity and dark state of understanding how bad it is right now. So that's why uh, when you have enough resource to understand all, trying to understand the situation as it is, it's much easier for you to not go those dark steps to those dark mm-hmm. ways. But if you were already a little bit broken before, it will be even harder right now. So I can feel it uh, during these three months how the how these things are very hard, you know, for me to not go to those suffering levels, which is kind of unbearable. Yeah, it's always about the balance. And that's where the self-awareness and self-knowledge helps a lot to know what are your levels and where where are you ready to go right now? And I was talking about that on, on the podcast that for the first month, I shut down the feelings completely because I knew that I will not manage. And then I slowly started opening up that Pandora's box because I knew that, okay, now I, I have the capacity for that. And that is very important to know where are your boundaries right now, because they, they shift, they, they're moving targets <laughs> and it's yes. very important. So yeah, what happened for you on the 24th? Actually, I think a lot of Ukrainians will agree with me that no one was sleeping very well for the last months, I think, think before the invasion, just because we all knew that the, our territory is threatened by Russian army, uh, a, a lot of them on the borders. And, you know, I I remember very vividly how on the week weekend before the invasion, I was like, I should check some bomb shelters in my neighborhood just in case, you know. And this thought strikes me as like, is this really the thing I will, I will do on the weekend? You know, my to-do list, check bomb shelters in my neighborhood. So, yeah, that wasn't something that that anyone should experience, you know, try to find safe places around your neighborhood in case if there will be bombs. And I understand that we keep, I keep kept forgetting that, yes, days before invasion, we were all, we all felt this danger in the air. And uh, every time when I walked from my home to some places, I was thinking about maybe I should take something with me, you know, more than I'm taking usually just because I don't know what will happen. And the thing is that many of those experiences I've lost just because of the nerves and the stress. I understand that many things I just forgot because my mind wasn't able wasn't a, wasn't able to comprehend everything that's happening. So on the 24th of February, I woke up around four o'clock. Just you know, I felt an urge to go and drink water. So and when I come back and lie and go go back to my bed. Suddenly, I heard explosions and then some more. So I live on the left side of the bank in Kiev. And I guess the explosions that I heard, it was Borispil Airport. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what was happening. So I opened Facebook and I, I see that people are writing about hearing explosions in all neighborhoods in Kiev, in many of them. That was very frightening. Because I understood that this is not like some fireworks, you know, or construction sites in four o'clock after four o'clock in the morning. So then I remember how I began to 
pack my bags. But the thing is, you know, uh, a lot of people were talking about how you should pack them beforehand, just, you know, just in case. And for me, that was a very stupid thing that if I will do this, then I'm acknowledging that Russia will invade Ukraine. Um, I think that was not a very wise thing to do, you know, because, yeah, I guess a lot of people were just weren't ready to accept the idea of Russia invading Ukraine. And that was um, some kind of mechanism of, of, the, of the psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember how my friend called me and we, were, we started to discuss a bunch of things, like what we should do and things like that. And yeah, then everything very quickly was changing around for me. So I left my apartment on the day. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to share more details about where I was and with whom, just because, you know, uh, war brings a lot of paranoia. And I think that this is a very also horrific thing, because I understand that even if I want to, you know, share more things, I can't, just because I don't feel safe enough in any places, in social media, to share more things about my family and where they are and how they are doing. And I remember very clearly how you were writing to me about where I am in Kiev. And I was like, sorry, but I'm not ready to share those details. You know, this is mm-hmm. very, this is crazy. You know, that's not like, that's not a thing you should be feeling that you're not able to share these things, even with people who you trust, actually. But mm-hmm. no, your mind goes, no, we can do it. Sorry. And I was I was thinking about that when you started talking about paranoia now. I remember that moment I was sitting on the floor next to my charging phone and chatting with you and I realized that I know the area where you are and I, I asked for a more precise location just because just in case so that my parents would be able to come over and so on. And you wrote that and I just felt so ashamed and so sorry that I like even I, the person who care about you, have to put you through those experiences of feeling doubts and paranoia anything that you know in that time so you did you you could be one of the close relatives even and and i won't be able to share this so this is what it does yeah um so first month i was in kiev and the area where i lived was somewhere close to Hostomel, Busha, and Derpin. That's why we were hearing bombings every day, explosions. So there was not a day that was silent, like for a whole 24 hours. One, two, three, I don't know, 11 times a day, you just stop counting them. And the sirens also were going on sometimes 11 times a day. I was counting just because, you know, you're just curious, like how many times do we need to hear them? And the most intense uh, things were when two times bombs fell in my neighborhood, some close enough to the building, and we felt how the building was trembling. And after that, you know, the third, I think the third weekend week was one of the most hardest because they were bombing a lot. And even in the night, even, you know, I'm talking like that was a problem for them. No, they had no problems with timing. So, Sometimes I would sleep for two or three hours at night, shifting with my relatives, you know, to be able to do something if we will need to be prepared. Um, And yeah, after sleeping for so few during many days, you don't know what you can think of because your mind is not ready for things like that. 
And that, uh, besides stress, besides thinking of relatives and their safety in Ukraine and all of that. So that's when we decided to move to Western Ukraine, because we know that there there are more silent things and there are not so many sirens out there. And that's when we moved. But the thing is, you know, the first thing I thought when I asked how long um, or how how many sirens are there, the person who was hosting us, he said, you know, there are three days, no sirens in here. And the first thing I thought was, is that even possible? You know, we were too, uh, the sirens became normal for us and the mm. sounds of bombings. So that's why, you know, I was shocked to hear that there are places still on earth where they, that doesn't happening like this. Yes. And uh, one of the moments that I've experienced also is the postponing life. So first three days of invasion were, uh, I feel, very numb. I couldn't understand what was happening, really. So everything was like not happening with me. You know, this is, can be real. Uh, I needed three days to cope with this, to start feeling something and understanding what is happening. And even after that, you know, the only thing that is normal for you is to brush your teeth. I mean, this ritual was like something from the past life, something what you would do, but what now seems a little bit surrealistic, you know, like, does it belong in this life, in war? So are are you really going to be worrying about your teeth? Yeah, that was a very strange thing to think about. Uh, So a lot of things I was postponing for after our victory, after we win. And that was a, that was becoming a problem because two months passed, and I understand that I don't do all the things I would usually do right now. Even though you know it's more calm in the western part of Ukraine, and you can you actually start to do something more than scrolling social media news and everything for tw- twelve or eight hours a day. And after second month on on the on after the war. I decided that maybe, uh, you know, the idea of going abroad and leaving Ukraine wasn't that bad or crazy because thinking about places where you can be feeling safe when there are no sirens and bombings was something unusual and something that my mind was actively wanting at the time. So that's when I decided that maybe I should move to another place how was that process for yourself the first time the thought occurred to you what are your feelings and thoughts about that thought and yourself i remember feeling ashamed just because you know it's kind of um, this is the thing the one of the sensitive things that are uh, that you can feel in ukrainian media space that people who are leaving the country and who were leaving it since 24th of february some call them traitors, you know, uh, the other one say that you can't blame people who are leaving the country just because they wanted to be feeling safe. Just don't to not be threatened to their life every day, to not hear bombings and be in fear every day whether you will leave for tomorrow. So that was a hard decision because I try to not feel ashamed for it. And I understand that still these thoughts sometimes go in my mind. But this is, you know, the decision I made and I take full responsibility of it. And I understand how I still can do more here. 
than I could in Ukraine for our victory also. Do you want to talk about that or first talk about work and, and dealing with with the war while still being in Ukraine? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about work because I kind of shifted to other topics. No, it's good. It's all good. <laughs> it's a live conversation. It's not scripted. Yeah. So I remember you were contacting me very shortly after everything escalated and that you were very supportive in that time. I want to say thank you because the way we were talking with each other was very important to me. And I understand that your support was very important also. So I was feeling that I, that someone abroad, you know, is supporting me also and knows me and you know so that kind of and is ukrainian that was a very important thing you know you nobody could understand that more than ukrainian from what what we are going through and and if i'm not mistaken i was i started working on second or third week of the invasion maybe on second but I not think much. second yeah maybe uh, i didn't do much but i remember how that was also a vital thing to do because my mind could in that time when I was working, my mind was kind of okay, this is the thing we were doing before the invasion, so it feels normal, you know. That was something of ground under the feet. You could feel it when you were working. But also it was much harder than before, just because one hour of working felt like eight, because your mind was already working in a stressful, <laughs> very stressful situation, and it wasn't prepared for the for it. So I could feel how hard it is for my mind to concentrate. Concentration was one of the biggest problems and still is for me during these three months. Uh, the concentration problem that you can't do something for a long time because you need to check if everything's okay. You need to check news. You need to check messages from your relatives and all of this stuff. And if you're not doing it for a couple of hours, you, you're like going, you can just go crazy. You, you can't. You can't do this. So, yeah, work uh, and the ability to do to work was very important. And I understand that it was the same for many people in Ukraine who also worked since 24th of February, were continuing doing their things and supporting the economy of Ukraine. I've been wondering, and I actually talked about that with another team member, how did your perception to the work change because of the war? The full-scale invasion. And what I mean is that, did you feel like, why the hell am I spending my time on this shit? Like, it's not important, you know? And I'm not, and I don't try to minimize what I do. I feel a lot of value in it and I, that's my purpose. But I just want, I'm curious about your thoughts and maybe you have talked about that with the other friends of yours who have continued working. How did the war affect your perception of what you're doing for work? Say that it was it changed like in the first I think two months because I knew that what what I was doing is important that the work I do also involves things that that you had but uh, episodes about war and stuff so that was also maybe if I think that I had at that time other projects also with other clients but um, I can't uh, with the work doing for them. I didn't feel, you know, that this is something maybe I want to do just because it wasn't about war in no way. So there was just their projects and they had nothing to do with war in Ukraine. While your project had some episodes about it and that's why it was 
important for me because, you know, everything that uh, the thing is that uh, during the last three months, everything that you can do that can help or to spread information about war and truth about what's happening here, that was something that supported me very much. So I can say that the that my perception of the work I was doing changed a lot, only that I wanted to do more and more to spread the news and to bring some value in what's happening, to be part of this in a good way, you know, to try to change something in the way I can change it. And that's why um, when uh, when Innovation started after ter- third day, I had an account on Twitter, but I didn't use it a lot before. And that was a big supporting also thing that I had during last two months because I wasn't writing a lot uh, when I came, when I went abroad. So Ukrainian Twitter has a big community of very united people who are trying their best to spread news, to spread truth about invasion, about Russian atrocities, about war crimes, about the hypocrisy of European leaders, of policy, of international institutes and things like that. And, you know, they are doing a lot of work. I I wasn't able to do it for long because I felt like I don't have a resource for that. I don't know how these people are still after three months, they are still doing it. You know, this is this is crazy because I wasn't able to do it for such a long time. I was also writing some tweets to people who could change something. You know, every tweet was important back then and is important right now because every tweet about truth in Ukraine, about Russian war crimes can impact some for someone's mind, can change something. And we, this community in Ukrainian Twitter is is something I, I don't know, it was a very supportive thing also to read all of those jokes, you know, memes and stuff like that, because humor was main coping mechanism for me in first weeks. And I was sharing the best of memes and jokes on my Instagram page. And a lot of people, even those who were in, who I hadn't spoke to, you know, in years, they were writing like, thank you so much for sharing these jokes. You know, that's, that's something that supports me. And people were writing that, you know, days and days. And I was very happy. I was feeling like, oh, my God, I'm doing something, you know, helpful for other people, even if it's just memes and jokes on Instagram, you know, took that I take from the Twitter. But the realization that for someone it's, it brings joy in any corner of Ukraine, that was a great deal. That was something that I... I felt like I was doing something important and it was really important for me. Um, at some point, you it phased out for you. And was it because of the resources that you felt like you needed to take a pause and recuperate? Or what happened? Why, why did you take less active um, stand? Yeah, uh, the thing is that it, it had some pauses for me, you know, even during those uh, months. I couldn't do it every day, like for all of these, for all of those weeks. And after moving to Western Ukraine, I had a very bad psyche state for a couple of days and I wasn't checking any social media for that time. And the thing is that I had these pauses from social media, you know, for two or three days because 
you can do it for long not being overwhelmed over, overwhelmed <laughs> of all of that stuff news memes and things like that so yeah it was a mechanism of it, i i needed a break yeah a time to recuperate and then start again and and i al- i also people were writing to me like where are you you know <laughs> that that was also some kind of support from those who i couldn't it didn't even know you know in real life sometimes and um but after deciding to move to leave ukraine and because of the hard decision and how many how much time i spent on thinking of it uh, my resource was very low and after coming after leaving ukraine also for first three weeks yesterday was three weeks i just i didn't have a resource to do this so you know i uh, sometimes it was hard even to write back to people and i remember i was writing to you also about that like you know it's hard for me even to write to my friends to write back that i'm okay that i came that everything's okay i'm alive blah 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 so that's why that's what i, ne- I never thought i would even feel you know that you can even turn on your phone and print the fucking message because you're too tired and your mind is just Nope, we're not gonna do it right now. I just want to lie down and do nothing. Yeah, and also when I'm telling all this, the thing that we were discussing with you that yeah, that's the thing that you feel like heavy, very heavy on your soul. But also you also you can't think when you're talking like that about people who stay there, about relatives, friends, and just other Ukrainians who are continuing living. In Ukraine, and many of those who returned since I don't know, maybe for the last month, there were a lot of there are a lot of people who returned to Ukraine. So yeah, it's a difficult situation, and uh, of course there is this charge of the about the discussion of people leaving, uh, people staying, and I was happy to be honest to see how many posts there were about uh, supportive posts. So who whoever you are, wherever you are, however you are right now, you're important, you're valued, you're doing right for yourself. I've seen a lot of those posts and also like very long reads about how important it is that not everyone is staying because it is extra charge on the or like extra strain on the system and infrastructure and it's it's more risk than for casualties among civilians and, and those kind of things. So I was happy to see that on a broader scale, how people were showing that it's not about betraying your country uh, and that that would be the sole message uh, everywhere. It was not the case. And uh, of course, it's amazing to see how many people are willing to come back or are already coming back, but it feels like sometimes it's a bit too soon when the infrastructure is not back to norm and so on. And as I said in one of the previous solo episodes, about my parents' decisions to stay, and I get it and I don't get it. And it's the same here. I get it for people who want to come back. And I worked for a month with uh, with refugees in, in Iceland. I've talked to many hundreds of them, and I know how many people, for how many people it was difficult to to hear the word refugee and accept that that's their status and that's what who they are now on the mental level. But at the same time, we need to, yeah, we need all take responsibilities for our part and Accept that there are different positions, different opinions, different choices, and and they all have the place to be. 
and exercising respect for the others, whether you agree or not, is very important part for us Ukrainians right now, I think. Yeah, and especially the thing is, when I was uh, sharing my decision with one of my closest friends and relatives, you know, most of them supported me and a lot of them were writing like, finally you did this decision that's very right for you. If you're feeling like you need to do this, you should do this and stuff like that. But also there were people and... uh, It's also a pain for me to say about some close friend who wrote to me that, like, why am I so afraid? She thought that I'm more patriot than I used to be. And the thing is that people who were writing me supportive things, they are volunteering right now and they do what they can. And the person who wrote to me that I'm less of a patriot, she didn't do nothing, you know? So, and she wasn't that patriotic before 24th of February. And that kind of pisses me off because if you're talking about patriotism, then I can remind you a lot of things you were wrong about before 24th of February, about Ukrainian language and stuff like that. And that's what very, that's what we shouldn't be doing with ourselves, you know, and with others. We need to respect the decision people are making because they are adults, you know? And I love what one of my relatives said that he won't be influencing any of my decision that I will take because, you know, you're an adult girl or woman. You need to decide for yourself what you are wanting want to do. And you need to understand what this, this, what this decision brings and what difficulties you will be having on your way. But, but you know, he, he was like, I'm not going to say anything more because this is your decision. You should take it or leave it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like that. And that's the thing that we should be doing. We should be saying to people who are making those decisions, you know, this it wasn't something pleasant for me to do. Yes, I wanted to travel, you know, see the world, blah, blah, blah. And I understood how I had this, this opportunity right before COVID striked. And I was like, okay, then maybe we should wait for a little, for some time. And then after this, this is not the travel, you know, and I was trying to convince myself that, well, this is like a vacation for maybe two or three months. And then you'll be returning after the victory of Ukraine. But, you know, our, we are not that stupid. We understand our mind feels like this is not a vacation. You're here just because you can't cope with the bombings, with sounds of sirens and all of that. And for you, this is just the state that you can't be no more because you're not, you're not that confident in the in your state of mind because anxiety and things like that they were already not very stable before 24th of February. And yeah, that's I think another conversation that we can mm. maybe sometimes dig in. And they are definitely not going better after 24th of February. And the thing is, nothing was changing after two and a half months in my mind. That was something of an alarm, like for me that I need to do something or I don't know what will be happening with my mind, you know, further into this. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything 